Sketches by Boz, Section 22. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Brad Philippone. Sketches by Boz by Charles Dickens, Section 22. Scenes, Chapter 15, Early Coaches. We have often wondered how many months' incessant travelling in a post-chaise it would take to kill a man, and wondering by analogy, we should very much like to know how many months of constant travelling in a succession of early coaches an unfortunate mortal could endure. Breaking a man alive upon the wheel would be nothing to breaking his rest, his peace, his heart, everything but his fast, upon four and the punishment of ixion the only practical person by the by who has discovered the secret of the perpetual motion would sink into utter insignificance before the one we have suggested if we have been a powerful churchman in those good times when blood was shed as freely as water and men were mowed down like grass in the sacred cause of religion we would have lain by very quietly till we got hold of some especially obstinate miscreant who positively refused to be converted to our faith and then we would have booked him for an inside place in a small coach which travelled day and night and securing the remainder of the places for stout men with a slight tendency to coughing and spitting we would have started him forth on his last travels leaving him mercilessly to all the tortures which the waiters landlords coachmen guards boots chambermaids and other familiars on his line of road might think proper to inflict who has not experienced the miseries inevitably consequent upon a summons to undertake a hasty journey you receive an intimation from your place of business wherever that may be or whatever you may be that it will be necessary to leave town without delay. You and your family are forthwith thrown into a state of tremendous excitement, an express is immediately dispatched to the washerwoman's, everybody is in a bustle, and you yourself, with a feeling of dignity which you cannot altogether conceal, sally forth to the booking-office to secure your place. Here a painful consciousness of your own unimportance first rushes on your mind. The people are as cool and collected as if nobody were going out of town, or as if a journey of a hundred odd miles were a mere nothing. You enter a mouldy-looking room, ornamented with large posting bills, the greater part of the place enclosed behind a huge lumbering rough counter, and fitted up with recesses that look like the dens of the smaller animals in a travelling menagerie without the bars. Some half-dozen people are booking brown-paper parcels, which one of the clerks flings into the aforesaid recesses with an air of recklessness which you, remembering the new carpet-bag you bought in the morning, feel considerably annoyed at. Porters, looking like so many atlases, keep rushing in and out with large packages on their shoulders, and while you are waiting to make the necessary inquiries, you wonder what on earth the booking-office clerks can have been before they were booking-office clerks. One of them with his pen behind his ear and his hands behind him is standing in front of the fire like a full-length portrait of Napoleon. The other with his hat half off his head enters the passengers' names in the books with a coolness which is inexpressibly provoking, and the villain whistles actually whistles while a man asks him what the fare is outside all the way to hollyhead in frosty weather too 
they are clearly an isolated race evidently possessing no sympathies or feelings in common with the rest of mankind your turn comes at last and having paid the fare you tremblingly inquire what time will it be necessary for me to be here in the morning six o'clock replies the whistler carelessly pitching the sovereign you have just parted with into a wooden bowl on the desk rather before than arter adds the man with the semi-roasted unmentionables with just as much ease and complacency as if the whole world got out of bed at five you turn into the street ruminating as you bend your steps homewards on the extent to which men become hardened in cruelty by custom if there be one thing in existence more miserable than another it most unquestionably is the being compelled to rise by candlelight if you have ever doubted the fact you are painfully convinced of your error on the morning of your departure you left strict orders overnight to be called at half-past four and you have done nothing all night but doze for five minutes at a time and start up suddenly from a terrific dream of a large church clock with a small hand running round with astonishing rapidity to every figure on the dial-plate at last completely exhausted you fall gradually into a refreshing sleep your thoughts grow confused the stage-coaches which have been going off before your eyes all night become less and less distinct until they go off altogether one moment you are driving with all the skill and smartness of an experienced whip the next you are exhibiting a la ducro on the off leader anon you are closely muffled up inside and have just recognized in the person of the guard an old schoolfellow whose funeral even in your dream you remember to have attended eighteen years ago at last you fall into a state of complete oblivion from which you are aroused as if into a new state of existence by a singular illusion you are apprenticed to a trunk-maker how or why or when or wherefore you don't take the trouble to inquire but there you are pasting the lining in the lid of a portmanteau confound that other apprentice in the back-shop how he is hammering rap 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 what an industrious fellow he must be you have heard him at work for half an hour past and he has been hammering incessantly the whole time rap 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 again he's talking now what's that he said five o'clock you make a violent exertion and start up in bed the vision is at once dispelled the trunk-maker's shop is your own bedroom and the other apprentice your shivering servant who has been vainly endeavouring to wake you for the last quarter of an hour at the imminent risk of breaking either his own knuckles or the panels of the door you proceed to dress yourself with all possible dispatch the flaring flat candle with the long snuff gives light enough to show that the things you want are not where they ought to be and you undergo a trifling delay in consequence of having carefully packed up one of your boots in your over-anxiety of the preceding night you soon complete your toilet however for you are not particular on such an occasion and you shaved yesterday evening so mounting your petersham greatcoat and green travelling shawl and grasping your carpet-bag in your right hand you walk lightly downstairs lest you should awaken any of the family and after pausing in the common sitting-room for one moment just to have a cup of coffee the said common sitting-room looking remarkably comfortable with everything out of its place and strewed with the crumbs of last night's supper you undo the chain and bolts of the street-door and find yourself fairly in the street 
a thaw by all that is miserable the frost is completely broken up you look down the long perspective of oxford street the gas lights mournfully reflected on the wet pavement and can discern no speck in the road to encourage the belief that there is a cab or a coach to be had the very coachmen have gone home in despair the cold sleet is drizzling down with that gentle regularity which betokens a duration of four-and-twenty hours at least the damp hangs upon the house-tops and lamp-posts and clings to you like an invisible cloak the water is coming in in every area the pipes have burst the water-butts are running over the kennels seem to be doing matches against time pump-handles descend of their own accord horses in market-carts fall down and there's no one to help them up again policemen look as if they have been carefully sprinkled with powdered glass here and there a milkwoman trudges slowly along with a bit of list round each foot to keep her from slipping boys who don't sleep in the house are not allowed much sleep out of it can't wake their masters by thundering at the shop-door and cry with the cold the compound of ice snow and water on the pavement is a couple of inches thick nobody ventures to walk fast to keep himself warm and nobody could succeed in keeping himself warm if he did it strikes a quarter past five as you trudge down waterloo place on your way to the golden cross and you discover for the first time that you were called about an hour too early you have not time to go back there is no place open to go into and you have therefore no resource but to go forward which you do feeling remarkably satisfied with yourself and everything about you you arrive at the office and look wistfully up the yard for the birmingham high flyer which for aught you can see may have flown away altogether for preparations appear to be on foot for the departure of any vehicle in the shape of a coach you wander into the booking office which with the gas-lights and blazing fire looks quite comfortable by contrast that is to say if any place can look comfortable at half-past five on a winter's morning there stands the identical bookkeeper in the same position as if he had not moved since you saw him yesterday as he informs you that the coach is up the yard and will be brought round in about a quarter of an hour you leave your bag and repair to the tap not with any absurd idea of warming yourself because you feel such a result to be utterly hopeless but for the purpose of procuring some hot brandy-and-water which you do when the kettle boils an event which occurs exactly two minutes and a half before the time fixed for the starting of the coach the first stroke of six peals from st martin's church steeple just as you take the first sip of the boiling liquid you find yourself at the booking-office in two seconds and the tap-water finds himself much comforted by your brandy-and-water in about the same period the coach is out, the horses are in, and the guard and two or three porters are stowing the luggage away and running up the steps of the booking-office and down the steps of the booking-office with breathless rapidity. The place which a few minutes ago was so still and quiet is now all bustle. The early vendors of the morning papers have arrived, and you are assailed on all sides with shouts of, "'Times, gentlemen, times! Here's Cron, Cron, Cron! Herald, ma'am! Highly interesting murder, gentlemen! Curious case of breach of promise, ladies!' 
the inside passengers are already in their dens and the outsides with the exception of yourself are pacing up and down the pavement to keep themselves warm they consist of two young men with very long hair to which the sleet has communicated the appearance of crystallized rats tails one thin young woman cold and peevish one old gentleman ditto ditto and something in a cloak and cap intended to represent a military officer every member of the party with a large stiff shawl over his chin looking exactly as if he were playing a set of pan's pipes take off the cloths bob says the coachman who now appears for the first time in a rough blue greatcoat of which the buttons behind are so far apart that you can't see them both at the same time now gentlemen cries the guard with the waybill in his hand five minutes behind time already up jump the passengers the two young men smoking like lime-kilns and the old gentleman grumbling audibly the thin young woman is got upon the roof by dint of a great deal of pulling and pushing and helping and trouble and she repays it by expressing her solemn conviction that she will never be able to get down again all right sings out the guard at last jumping up as the coach starts and blowing his horn directly afterwards in proof of the soundness of his wind let him go harry give em their heads cries the coachman and off we start as briskly as if the morning were all right as well as the coach and looking forward as anxiously to the termination of our journey as we fear our readers will have done long since to the conclusion of our paper end of section twenty two